Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Yahoo Sports College Podcast. I'm Pat Forty, joined by Pete Thamel. And you're going to like this segment. We're going to do it every week. It's the Race for the Case episode. A good mix of two of our favorite things, making college football picks against the spread and talking about our favorite beverages, specifically beer. It's what we're going to have to do. He's going to be the rules for the Race for the Case. Each week, we're going to pick six games against the spread. We'll have five common games that we likely will be watching. And then we'll have a sixth game that'll be our personal choice of a game, and that's going to make a perfect six-pack of picks. We're going to score this like cornhole, like washers, like horseshoes. If I get four right, Pete gets two, then I get two cans in my case. And the first person to reach 24 cans, what else, of course, gets a case of beer from the other guy, conveniently stashed in an aspirational Yeti cooler. Pete, what do you think? Well, Pat, I feel like this segment we're going to do is a uh, it, it answers something that that has sort of hounded me for years. And it's something that a symptom I think you've found is as you've gone on and covered college football. Now we're both have done this nationally probably for 15 years. I had a I had something called Friday Friends. So I wouldn't hear from a lot in like April, May, June, but come the fall on Fridays, they'd all be checking in to see how I'm doing. Usually I'd be like flying to a game and they'd they'd usually say, Hey, how are you? Different things like that. But they'd really just want to know who do you think's gonna win? And then there's some Thursday friends too who are a little bit more aggressive. They could be bartenders, stockbrokers, cab drive, just the people you run into day to day in life who know what you're doing and want a little want a little info for a little scratch. So the Friday friends pent up to a point where we decided to basically do a podcast to address them so I don't have to text everyone back on a Friday and look and see what the lines are. And it just became like cumbersome essentially. So Pat, did you have any Friday friends who've emerged over the years? Oh, I have. I think you've met one of them, Sean, uh, my man. He will get that text. Who do you like Saturday? What's yeah. the number? Over, under, point spread, home away. Yeah, all of that. So we are here to help those people, our friends and the people we haven't even met yet who want to know yes. what we think. In fact, I, I stopped at a place for some chicken wings last night. A couple of guys next to me. Who do you like? Notre Dame, Michigan. So we went through it and we're going to go through it here now for you all. We have got our slate of games, and we're going to start with a Thursday night game, Pete, because people do like their Thursday action. We have a Big Ten matchup, Northwestern at Purdue. 
Purdue it was a surprise team last year, made a bowl game for the first time in a while. Northwestern coming off a very good season, but we'll see if quarterback Clayton Thorson is ready to go after blowing a knee out in the bowl game. Purdue at home laying one and a half. Pete Thamel, what do you think? I think I'm going to tell one of my favorite Pat Forty stories before we do this, just because you mentioned the chicken wings the other night. Pat and I met at a gas station to drive to a Kentucky LSU <laughs> game somewhere around 2007, 2008. Kentucky had that big kind of strong arm quarterback and upset LSU in triple overtime, I believe, the year LSU won the national title under Les Miles. And so Pat went in to get a Diet Coke and is walking out. And Pat is very recognizable in the Commonwealth of Kentucky, sometimes better, sometimes for worse. Some cat fans on their way to the game saw pat and they said pat pat are the cats gonna win and pat just <laughs> coldly stares him down and goes no they're not <laughs> and then keeps walking to his car and their broken hearts sat there on the mobile off, off the highway and i just chuckled at the whole scene so i think the jeff brom train has got a little bit out of control i really like northwestern's defense especially their front seven they bring back joe gaziano the uh big tense sack leader last season clayton thorson although pat fitzgerald hasn't said it all signs indicate that he's going to play all signs indicate that he's been very healthy few people have gone through camp there and told me he's looked really sharp i think this is an excellent Northwestern team and has the potential to be Fitzgerald's best there. And I actually think the cats kind of win handily by, uh, by two touchdowns. Wow. Two touchdowns as an underdog. That's a major step there. I will uh, just for, you know what? We can't start this show with an agreement. So I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say Purdue holds serve at home overachieved last year, take some of that confidence into this year. Uh, and, and I like Purdue there, even though they're rebuilding a bit on defense. Okay. Second game. You're the fifth Huge Brom brother. Game. How many ever Brahms there are? You're the next one. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'm down with the Brahms. Uh, next game, a huge neutral site game in Atlanta, Washington at Auburn. We discussed it on the regular podcast. What a big game it is for the Pac-12 as a whole in terms of early season credibility after a tough year last year. But now the specifics of this game. Washington brings, I think, a really good team into this game. Jake Browning at quarterback, Miles Gaskin at uh, running back, left tackle. Uh, Trey Allen is back after missing last season. Uh, a lot of really good players on defense, flush in the secondary. Auburn returns a very good team, but they don't have on Johnson rebuilding the line a bit there. Pete, who do you like? Auburn laying one and a half. Boy, this was the hardest one for me to pick of, of the ones we chose, just because there's a lot of variables here with travel and the layoff. And obviously, Auburn has Jarrett Stidham, who NFL people tell me could end up being the first quarterback taken in the next draft. He's super talented. He's got his second year in uh, in, in the system, obviously, with Chip Lindsey there as the, as the OC, but it's essentially Gus Balzan's tempo. I think you have some synchronicity in that, and it's really going to help coming back. I ended up going with Washington in part because I thought they could control the game between the trenches. You obviously mentioned Trey Adams, the the left tackle, probably be the first tackle picked in the draft. And ultimately, I'm going to take Chris Peterson over Gus Malzahn here. I think it's I think it's a close game. I'm going to go 22 uh, 20 Huskies. Larry Scott celebrates somewhere at Chick-fil-A late at night. <laughs> okay, I, I am going to go with you there. And I, did, I think I got the name wrong. Trey Adams, you are correct. Uh, but I do like uh, Washington over Auburn. They're getting one and a half. Chris Peterson, early neutral site game. He's been awfully good in those before. Uh, and I do want to mention, for those of you listening, at the tail end of our picks, we are going to have an interview with Memphis coach Mike Norvell. A very hot name in the ranks, and Pete Thamel caught up with him earlier in August. We're going to run that for you as well, so stay tuned for that after the games. All right, now back to the picks. 
Uh, marquee game to me, and I'm going to be at this one in South Bend, Michigan at Notre Dame. Winner's going to come out feeling really good about themselves. Loser's going to be facing another round of questions and criticism after a lot of that at the end of last year. Notre Dame is laying one at home to Michigan. Night game beneath touchdown Jesus. What do you have, Pete? I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, Pat. I think you have two very good defenses. You obviously have Don Brown as one of the most established coordinators in the country on, on Michigan, and they certainly return Chase Winovich. Rashawn Gary, although there's some rumblings that he's had some shoulder issues and his effectiveness could be in question. Devin Bush, we can go on and on in Michigan. The secondary is great. Brown is going to – he already started blitzing, actually, and will continue to do so <laughs> throughout the rest of Saturday night. I'll say this about Michigan when you really looked at him last year, you know, Brown's genius was against the Purdue's of the world and the, the, the teams that simply didn't really match up. Well, I, I feel like Michigan does a great job suffocating them, but when they played the Penn States of the world, and the Ohio States of the world, they move the ball at will. That, that said, Brandon Winbush needs to take a jump. He didn't really get much better as last year went on, but still Notre Dame had a solid season. They're certainly not going to have that binky of the left side of that offensive line that they did last year. So I'm going to take the Irish nine, seven, three, Justin Yoon field goals. I don't think Michigan's going to be able to move the ball. <laughs> you did not say that nine, seven is your pick. Nine, seven's my pick. <laughs> Okay. If I'm going to watch a 9-7 game and then leave the press box at 2 a.m. and drive to Kokomo to stay in my hotel and get there at 4, I do not want to be covering a 9-7 game. So I hope that you are wrong. I look forward to the hate texts. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, I think there's going to be a little bit more points scored, and I think most of those points are going to be scored by Michigan. I think this is a great situation for them. I think this is a good team waiting to prove itself after last year's underachievement. I think Notre Dame, as you mentioned, look, there's a lot of things in flux there. They're rebuilding the left side of the line. They don't have Josh Adams. I was not sold on Brandon Wimbush at all last year. He's going to have to be a lot better, especially against a team that's going to be all over him and put pressure on him. If he doesn't set his feet and throw, he's not going to complete anything. And I do think Shea Patterson helps the Michigan offense. I think Michigan wins and wins rather easily. 7-10, 14 points. So I am down with the Wolverines there. So we've got two differences of opinion. Now let's go to the Sunday game in Arlington, LSU and Miami. Intriguing matchup. LSU very much needs to get off to a good start. Miami coming off a probably an overachieving season. Didn't end well, but started 10-0 there. The turnover chain was all the rage in college football. Uh, Miami is laying three and a half. What do you think happens in that one, Pete? I don't love either of these teams in in the macro of this season, Pat. I I feel like Miami sputtered down the stretch last year, and I just – I'm fearful of having to watch LSU's offense again, which is something we could have put on repeat probably for the last seven years. Uh, I just don't know how much better they're going to be under Emsinger. Obviously, Joe Burrow wins the starting job this week. He has to be an upgrade. Your hamburger helper theory from the podcast earlier in the week comes into play there. I'm going to take the Hurricanes, and I think this will be another low-scoring game, but I feel like Miami is just in a more stable position program-wise, and I feel like defensively they're going to be able to solve LSU you. Yeah, well, I agree with you on the low scoring part of that, but uh, I, I'm going to take LSU here. I'm not, again, I'm not in love with either team, but I think Miami 
really kind of uh, played above its weight, punched above its weight last year. The turnovers were huge. When those dried up and they kind of came back down to earth, there wasn't a lot of substance behind that team. Lost to Pittsburgh, blown out by Clemson, lost their bowl game. And I think that's more who Miami really was. I think LSU is probably athletic enough to, to run with them, to match up with them. Joe Burrow needs to knock off a lot of rust quickly and be a very good player, I think, to kind of run that offense for LSU. But I think it's going to happen. So I'm going to take the Tigers and take the Tigers to cover the three and a half, even though I'm not, you know, 100% sold on LSU. But I think it's going to be kind of a back to reality season for Miami. Then our Monday night game, and these Monday night games on Labor Day night have really been a boon, I think, for college football, driving audience, entertaining, and usually a, a pretty high-profile matchup. ACC has really kind of been on the ground floor of getting involved in this, and we've got an ACC matchup there. Virginia Tech is at Florida State. Florida State with a new coach, Willie Taggart. Jimbo Fisher has gone to College Station. Uh, Virginia Tech rebuilding on defense. Florida State is a pretty handy favorite here. Seven and a half points. Pete, what do you think? I do the tomahawk chop, but I, I, I like Florida State here. And I think that all the departures from Virginia Tech secretary. When you look at Terrell Edmonds going to the draft early, which people didn't think they thought his brother might, you know, they thought his brother was inevitable. And then you lose Mook Reynolds, obviously their nickel corner gets dismissed. And then Adonis Alexander ends up having academic problems and has to go to the supplemental draft. And then you have the, the Willie Taggart system, which is kind of a hybrid of the Baylor with the tempo and the wide splits. And you have all those new faces in the Virginia Tech secondary on the road at night, raucous atmosphere. Look, there's few who do it better than Bud Foster. And certainly, uh, I don't probably think any defensive coordinators produce more high end defensive backs and gotten more ready than Bud has. I just think that's a lot to ask a young Virginia tech secondary and an inexperienced defense considering the setting. And again, there's a lot of variables here, right? We don't know how healthy and sharp Deandre Francois will be coming back. I just think Florida state We'll be able to exploit that vulnerable hokey secondary and roll on in Taggart's debut. Covering the seven and a half. Covering the seven and a half. Okay. 27 I'm 17. You if there. You need a number. Okay. Very good. I agree Not with nine, you. Seven. Um, and, uh, I, I, I like the uh, the reasoning you laid out there. Bud Foster will have a good defense by season's end because he always does. But at season's beginning, boy, he's he's got a, one of his tougher jobs, I think, here, uh, rebuilding across a variety of areas. And Florida State with Cam Akers back, and I do think Francois will be ready to go. Uh, they're going to be able to find some holes there and exploit it. Home field advantage, a lot of enthusiasm for the start of the Taggart era. Florida State wins and covers. Now, Pete, do you have a sixth game, your stone-cold lead pipe lock of the week ready for us? I'll be honest, I don't because I forgot, <laughs> but this is going to be my lock. Catering to the crowd, if you've listened this far, you probably are one of Pat and I's Friday friends who checks in. So I am going to tell you to take the Notre Dame Michigan under. Okay, very good. That's Notre my Dame, Michigan stone-cold lead pipe. Fill my Yeti cooler with your, uh, with your beer goodness, Patrick. <laughs> Excellent. Will do. All right. My stone cold lead pipe lock outside of the picks we have already laid out. I'm taking Wyoming at home, giving seven and a half or getting seven and a half. I'm sorry, against Washington State. Good spot for the Cowboys at home in Laramie, 7,200 feet of elevation. Looked good in their opener. They already got a game under their belt. And if the old adage is true that you get 
more improvement between weeks one and two than any point in the year. I like Wyoming in that situation. Washington State's got a few question marks to answer coming into the year, and they love to get a Power 5 team at home in a, in a conference like the Mountain West. So I'm taking Wyoming, covering the 7.5, maybe even winning outright, but for sure losing by a touchdown or less. So there you go. You can thank me later for that. Thank us later for all of our withering insight on these picks. Uh, but for the here and now, you've got all of our picks for the week. But Pete Thamel, I want to know, since this podcast is partially about beer and betting, what is the favorite? What is a good beer that you have had this summer heading into the football season? I'm going to go local. Uh, I'm lucky enough to spend a little time on Cape Cod in the summer. Sankity Light, which is out of Nantucket, is probably my favorite summer beer. Light, crisp, refreshing. You are able to have more than one. <laughs> so it's a good sit on the beach beer. Is that what you're telling me? It's a great, a great sit on the beach beer. And uh, yes, well worth it. If the dashes travels ever come up to the uh, 617 neighborhood, I would think you would uh, enjoy one or five. I would love to get up there. Not a lot of football to watch on Cape Cod, but hey, you know what? Maybe <laughs> that's why there, that's why there's an off season. My beer of the week, I guess you would say is uh from Four Corners Brewing in Dallas, El Chingon IPA. Uh, really good, tasty beverage that I had in Fort Worth last week. And uh, El Chingon, loosely translated, badass. And it fits this beer. So I uh, <laughs> enjoyed that very much. And now get ready for the podcast interview between Pete Thamel and Memphis coach Mike Norvell. I'm with Mike Norvell of the Memphis Tigers, looking ahead to the 2018 college football season. And uh, when I think back, when I started covering national college football, Mike, a decade ago, Memphis was probably the worst program in major college football. There's certainly an argument. Others could raise their hand, but it was that you obviously had coached against them at different stops. You're from somewhat of the same part of the world. I know you're from Texas originally, but you played college ball in Arkansas. What were some of your first impressions as you saw Memphis sort of meander on in that abyss? Well, you know, it's something I've, I've always believed in this program. And, uh, you know, it, it starts with a location. It starts with a city. It's a uh, it's a community that uh, you absolutely loves, you know, the, the, the people that represent it, uh, you know, the opportunity to really just go in any direction within five hours. And there's a tr tremendous talent, tremendous uh, high school programs and an opportunity to to really be able to grow. And so uh, for many years, it was a struggle. But uh, you always believe that if the opportunity with the right leadership, the right commitment that it could be a special place. Justin Fuente obviously deserves credit for changing the trajectory of Memphis football. You've come in in his wake and I think even taken the program to a higher level than that. And one could even argue that three years in now to your tenure, the Memphis program is in a drastically different place. What have they done in terms of infrastructure and support, specifically for your assistant coaches especially, to take this program and, and make sure it doesn't dip back? Well, you know, I think it all starts with the from the top down. I mean, from our president to the new board of trustees, our athletic director. I mean, the commitment to to sustaining success, to continuing to progress as a program. Uh, you know, the city of Memphis has been incredible. You know, the the enhancements at the Liberty Bowl. Uh, you know, our facilities. Everything is everything is growing, and uh, you know, people see what uh, the impact that the Memphis Tiger football program can have within our community. And uh, you know, obviously, the attention we've gotten uh, nationwide, and uh, you know, people want to back that. And so, the support has been incredible. You mentioned our, our coaches. Uh, you know. 
we've been able to uh, put together an unbelievable uh, support staff, uh, you know, some of the finest assistant coaches in the country that, that you know, help develop the student athletes that we get. So the notion of Memphis as a destination, obviously back-to-back nine-win seasons for you, Mike, in your, in your first two years here at Memphis, obviously back-to-back bowl games and, uh, you know, a chance to win the conference championship last year and really what was one of the, one of the better games, I think, in, uh, in college football last year, your, uh, your conference uh, title game with, with UCF. Your roster has really turned over since you got there. I would, I would guess it's about 90% of your players. What should we expect from, from the macro of this edition of Memphis football? You know, it's going to be an exciting football team. Uh, we return, uh, I believe it's 15, 16 starters. We had a chance last year to, to get to the championship game. We won the West Division. Uh, you know, a lot of great things, but you know, we haven't achieved the ultimate goal. And uh, you know, these kids, they understand what it takes to be successful. They've worked at an extremely high level. So we're hopeful and excited about it all coming together for uh, for a great year. The most important moment of your tenure was very likely soon after you got the job going to recruit Riley Ferguson out of a junior college in uh, in Kansas. He obviously was a dynamic, productive quarterback for you the last two seasons. That position will obviously be much of the preseason focus, I, I feel like, the, the, the competition between Moore and White. Give us a general sense of, of where you feel that room and that position is right now, Mike. You know, I think uh, that the overall room is is the best that it's ever been since I've been uh, you know, at Memphis. Uh, the the competition, the talent, you know, the overall intelligence it's it's incredible. And uh, I know that we have uh, the right guys in the room. Uh, there's gonna be a lot of competition moving forward to see who's gonna be the guy. And that's uh, you know, whoever steps on the field can make the ten guys around them better. Continue to get to the ball to, to the playmakers that we have within our offense. So you know, we'll be we'll be named the quarterback. But uh, you know, I feel great about the situation and uh, it's going to be a fun battle to watch. So obviously four returning starting offensive linemen from one of the top 15 rushing attacks in the country. Daryl Henderson is obviously the most dynamic player probably in this whole league, at least on the offensive side of the ball. How do you feel like maybe the identity shifts a little bit from Riley throwing around the yard to maybe a team that can be a little bit more dynamic, even though you're productive, a little bit more of an identity in the run game? You know, we take a great deal of pride. Uh, you know, we say that our offense is a, is an offense that's built for playmakers, and to have the guys you know, in the backfield. You mentioned Daryl Henderson. You got Patrick Taylor, Tony Pollard, all guys that have that have been extremely productive. For them to be able to to assert themselves as as the guy and uh, to be the workhorses of of what makes us go, that's what's going to be fun to watch. Uh, you anytime you lose a, a phenomenal player, you know, you Anthony Miller, the Riley Ferguson, who you who you talked about. Uh, you know, it, it gives a new opportunity for somebody to step up. And these guys, they've, they put in a great, a great amount of work. They definitely have the talent. So uh, uh, we look forward to seeing them you know, progress uh, and having wonderful years. Your recruiting has ticked up with the success, as, as it often does, Mike. And I know there's a guy, TJ Carter, one of your starting defensive backs, who had a dynamic freshman season. He's considered already one of the best young defensive backs in the country. Is he maybe an example of the, the new Memphis? You beat some SEC schools for him in recruiting. Um, is he maybe an example of where this program is has become and is going? Uh, there's no question about it. And, uh, you know, you know TJ is such a great example of uh, um, what we talk about as being uh, a young man looking for fit and family and uh, you know he he had multiple options uh, could have went to a, to a lot of a lot of different places and great logos but he came to the place that he thought was the best fit for him you know a place that would put him in a position to be successful and uh, you know he wanted to he wanted to be a part of, a, of something bigger than themselves in this Memphis family and uh, seeing him have the success as a true freshman I think he led our league in interceptions you know uh, he's been nominated already uh, a preseason Thorpe award uh, watch list uh, you know he's a freshman all-american to see him have success at the level 
level that he's had. Uh, that's what it's all about as a coach because somebody made a choice that's different than what everybody expected him to do. And to, to see him come in and, and achieve at such a high level, uh, it makes you proud. Let's talk roster composition, which may not be the sexiest topic for a minute here, Mike. You have eight seniors coming back, which is an extremely low number. You have 15 returning starters, which is an extremely high number. I did a story last year uh, when I went through Memphis about the number of guys you've blue-shirted, which is not actually a clothing or uniform choice, but, a, but an interesting recruiting technique. Walk me through a little bit of the strategy and explain blue-shirting a little bit of, of how you've replenished this roster creatively. You know, obviously, with some of the NCAA regulations of uh, you know what you can sign and uh, the number of additions you can have to your roster, uh, you know, early on in the process, we had to we had to be unique, and you know, we had to make sure that uh, we did a great job of evaluating guys that we believe could come in and and help us be successful while uh, you know filling out the, the scholarship uh, you know opportunities that we had. And so uh, it's been fun to watch uh, you know, guys that have come in. You know, there were some guys that uh, you know, delayed enrollment for six months to be able to come be and be a part of our program that now we're seeing uh, where they're going to be able to impact our programs. So uh, I've got a, a great sense of peace of where we are. You know, like you mentioned, we only have eight seniors on this team. It's the smallest group of seniors I've ever been a part of in a, in a football program, but uh, we have the right the right guys. And so uh, I think we're in a great position uh, for the future, and uh, it's going to be it's going to be fun to watch which leaders emerge um, you know, with such a young football team, but that one that does have experience. From blue shirts to blue shoes, uh, you made a ruckus in spring practice uh, the day that Memphis is about to bring Penny Hardaway aboard by uh, wearing some custom pennies uh, on the sideline. That was just part of the general overall excitement for a Memphis legend coming back. Have, have you enjoyed the Penny Hardaway experience so far? Uh, it's been great. Uh, you know, any any time that you can see uh, our Memphis Tiger logo going across, uh, you know, you know the the television, whether you know, it's on the news or you know, obviously uh, what Penny's you know been able to do in a in a very quick time with his recruitment of uh, student athletes, it's enjoyable. And uh, you know, I'm I'm all all about Penny because he's all about Memphis, and uh, that was something that you know the day he got hired to be able to put on the uh, the blue foams was uh, just a, a little tribute to uh, to you know my support for what he's about to do. And my spies in Memphis tell me Penny is an unusually good golfer, which one would not expect from a six foot nine uh, human being. Well, I mean, you know, as a uh, as a five eleven, you know, gray haired, premature gray haired uh, uh, football coach, you would like to see him struggle at something at, at some point. But uh, you know, to be one of the best one of the best players in NBA history to to go out to the uh, to the golf uh, the golf course and you know, have an incredible short game, but then also be able to hit it well past three hundred yards, it's just uh, it's uh, yeah, I got to hit. My hat to him. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't uh, that doesn't sound particularly uh, particularly fair. Looking ahead at your quarterback situation here, when you look at David Moore and you look at Brady White and you look at the rest of your room, what, what are some specific strengths, Mike, that those guys bring? You know, I think uh, you look at Brady White. You know, he's a graduate transfer, but one that really you know he doesn't have a whole lot of experience. Uh, he has great knowledge. You know, his situation at his previous uh, school. You know, he's under mul- multiple offensive coordinators, so he really has not been able to to dial in on one system or one scheme. But he's one of the smartest football players I've ever been around. He's extremely accurate. Under 
understands timing, you know, a wonderful leader and teammate. So it's going to be fun to watch him, you know, as uh, in six months he's done a great job here at Memphis. But it's going to be fun to watch him here this fall. Uh, David Moore is one of the most talented young men that I've had the opportunity to coach. Uh, you know, he's still young, you know, still growing. I think the development that he's shown in the last uh, six to six to eight months has been incredible. Um, you know, understanding what it takes to, to be a, a top-notch quarterback. And, and we've got some young guys. Uh, you know, we've got a, a freshman that just uh, just joined our team, Brady McBride, who he's, he's a six-foot quarterback. If he was a couple inches taller, I think he would have been one of the you know, top national recruits uh, uh, that I think is going to come in and be able to compete early in his career. But it, it's fun seeing that group of guys you know, all pouring into each other to help you know, put themselves in the best position possible. And uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I feel great about the room. Some annoying reporters will likely rank you high on their lists of hot coaches this year. I'm not going to name any names. I'm curious, Mike, when you look at what Memphis has done, not only for you, but for your staff, it's really turned from a place that's destitute to destination in, in about a decade. Can you dial in on what Tom Bowen and his administration have done to make Memphis a very difficult place for you to someday leave if you have the opportunity? Well, you know, I mean, it's it's the right situation. And, uh, you know, I think in any program and any university, it starts at the top. Like I mentioned, our president, uh, Dr. Rudd, was, has been in, instrumental in, in a lot of the change. Uh, Tom Bowen, the board of trustees. I mean, everybody's committed to seeing us continue to grow. You know, anytime your name is mentioned for, for other opportunities or, or our players getting on different watch lists, it's a compliment to what we've done. It's a compliment to the products that's, that's being put out on the field. But uh, at, at the same time, for us, it's all about being in the right fit. And uh, you mentioned T.J. Carter and the situation of what of what the decision he had to make. Most of the public would have told him to go to a different school or a different logo or a different conference. But at the end of the day, he made the choice for what was best for him. And to see him have that success, uh, is it's so much fun. And, you know, as a coach, you're looking for the exact same thing. So when we, we take a step back and look at the AA, see this year, uh, obviously, uh, you have to feel like UCF has earned their favorite status. You know, certainly with the, the dominating season they had, they're the team to beat. They're going to have the target on their back. They obviously have a new a new coach, and but I feel like they're going to play the, the same style. I just wonder, when you look around the, the, the league this year, Mike, how do you see it unfolding? Yeah, it's going to be competitive, and I mean top down. I mean, obviously, Central Florida has established themselves as the as the kind of the lead of the class, um, and you know it's going to take somebody to have to go and you know remove them from that from that pedestal right now. But you know, even the West Division is incredible. Navy, Houston, I mean Tulane, SMU, obviously with what they've been able to do, and then Tulsa uh, with what uh, you know Coach Montgomery does. You know, it's it, it, that's a challenge each and every week, and then the crossover games, uh, you know, with great venues, uh, tradition. That's what makes our league so exciting. I think when you look nationally to, to the way that we've played out of conference against the uh, the so-called Power Five, uh, you know, schools, it's uh, it, we've shown well, and uh, we're I know it's gonna it's gonna be the same story here this season, and uh, you know, it's we're looking forward to the, uh, the challenge that's in front of us. I think nationally, when people think about the AAC, the premier player in the league is Ed Oliver on defense. I think the NFL is looking at Ed Oliver. I think since he made his recruiting decision, he has really been a marquee player for this league and, and, and someone the whole conference can hang their hat on. What has it been like game planning against him now? You've you, you faced him your first two seasons. 
completely miserable. It's uh, you know Ed is Ed is the probably the best player that I've ever had to coach against, and uh, you know that's I've spent some some time against some top notch uh, you know top five draft picks, and uh, you know he's the best I've ever I've ever seen. Not just because of what he does you know with the physical traits and tools, but just the heart and the passion, uh, the relentless pursuit which he uh, of how he plays every snap, and so it, it is definitely a challenge. It's nauseating to have to go against him, but uh, you know we play him the last uh, the last week of the season this year so i mean you know getting a chance to watch 11 games of him beating up on people is probably not going to be a whole lot better here this year so uh have you ever seen a human being with bigger thighs yeah it's it's, it's like once again you're making you're, ma- you're making me not feel very good right now pete so i've got i've got a good amount of time for i have to see him so uh let's uh let's let's stay away from that all right. Well, well, on, well, on that note, I think we'll uh, we'll let Mike go enjoy the rest of his evening. Uh, appreciate Mike you coming on the uh, Yahoo College Sports podcast, and best of luck to you and the Tigers this season. Thanks so very much, and uh, go Tigers! All right, great interview there with Mike Norvell. Certainly one of the coaches to watch as the coaching carousel will start. Uh, later this season. Uh, we want to hear from you guys about your favorite beers and, of course, your betting conquests and anything else that you feel like sharing with us. Uh, here's how you can share them with us. Hit us up on the Yahoo Sports College podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a review. With the review, mention the beer that you want to talk about and why people should seek it out. We'll choose the best of those and we'll share them on the next podcast. Join us early next week because we're going to have a little bit of podcast coming out of the football weekend with this huge weekend starting the season. Dan and Pete and I will be back to discuss all of the action, the big winners, the big losers. Thanks for joining us on the Iowa Sports College Podcast.